Hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. It is the final episode of season two. Get excited, what a whirlwind journey we've been on. Unless you haven't. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. In this podcast, I review movies based on their first half and TV shows based on their pilot episode and make wild assumptions about what's going to happen next based on as little information as possible. Which, of course, true to form, I'm going to be doing today. So, the movie that I have decided to take on is Marvel's newest blockbuster Black Widow, which has a star-studded cast headlined by Oscar noms Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz. I was hoping to see it in cinemas, but alas, outside doesn't exist. Sydney is still very locked down, but luckily 123 Movies does exist. So she was my backup plan. If you've listened to any of my podcasts before where I delve into superhero fare, you would know that I'm not very up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and since then, literally nothing's changed. I've seen one Avengers movie, the one where everyone temporarily dies. I've seen the two new Spider-Man movies, which are actually pretty bomb, and I've also seen WandaVision, which I've already reviewed on here, so go listen to that later, little self-plug. So am I equipped with all or any of the context I need before diving into this film? I'm guessing probably not. I don't know who the Black Widow is. I know it's a type of spider. And also a song from like five years ago by Rita Ora and Iggy Azalea. But I feel like all of the above are unhelpful and irrelevant facts that are completely unrelated to what I'm watching right now. But whatever, let's dive in. First question, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? This is for sure a first time watch. I don't know exactly when it came out because again, to reiterate, it still hasn't. Cinemas are dead. Time means nothing. But I feel like it was recently. So I'm not too far behind. Now I'm going to delve into some basic plot points. Like all Marvel or DC blockbusters, this movie is a lengthy one. It's a whopping two hours and 14 minutes. So obviously I called it an hour and seven on the dot. So here is everything that's happened so far with significant help from Wikipedia. Because spoiler alert, I barely know what's going on. Okay, so we start off in 1995 as a couple of Russian undercover agents, Alexei Shostakov, played by David Harbour, and Melina Vostokov, played by Rachel Weisz, are hanging in Ohio with who we think are their daughters, Natasha Romanoff and Yelena Belova. I apologize hard in advance for butchering the pronunciation of every single character's name because I don't know what I'm saying or how to say it. In fact, from now on, I'm just going to refer to the characters by the actor's name wherever possible because it's easier for everyone involved. So for some reason, David Harbour comes in all panicked, and that's apparently a sign that everyone needs to evacuate the house immediately and flee to Cuba. When they get there, things get wild. Rachel Weiss has somehow been injured, is carted off in a van, and as of halfway through is yet to be seen again. Natasha goes a bit psycho, whips out a gun and starts hysterically crying, while David Harbour meets up with his boss, General Drakov, who then has Natasha and Yelena taken to some dodgy place called the Red Room for training. Cue the opening credits. It's now 21 years later. David Harbour's in a Russian prison for some reason, and Natasha, now played by Scarlett Johansson, is a fugitive on the run. Who from? I don't really know. Why? Because I think she killed David Harbour's boss, Drakov, and his daughter in a bombing? 
which is pretty rough stuff. And honestly, I'm inclined to be against her, but also at the same time, I have no idea why she did any of that because I'm really not keeping up with this movie. This is so chaotic. I'm so sorry. She then hits up a safe house in Norway with some random guy who's her colleague slash manager slash is also an agent slash I actually have no idea what role he plays in her life, but they have some banter and I'm getting some flirtatious vibes, but that could just be me looking for more drama and intrigue where there isn't any. So honestly, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, even though there's no other option because this is my podcast and I'm alone. Meanwhile, Yelena, now played by icon Florence Pugh, kills someone, but then straight afterwards comes in contact with a gas that snaps her back into reality, and we work out that the murder spree she just went on was under the influence of some Red Room mind control. This next part I have discovered solely through Googling and not through any understanding or agency of my own, but then apparently Florence sends this gas mind control antidote to Scarlet in hopes that she'll send it to all of the Avengers. But then Scarlet unknowingly drives off with it and is attacked by some masked villain called Taskmaster who wants it for themselves. When I was watching this part, I did not get that. I just thought she was randomly attacked for no reason on a bridge in the middle of the night because sometimes society really do be like that. But apparently there was some other nefarious motive involved. I don't know. Eventually, Scarlet and Florence reunite in Budapest for the first time since they were children and then start full on physically battling each other, which to be honest is the only fight scene in this movie so far that I've liked. It's well choreographed and also kind of funny. They then try using their words to communicate and Scarlet learns that David Harbour's boss Drakov is still alive and that the Red Room's still active. So the two band together, put aside their differences, which I honestly don't know why they even have, and decide to break David Harbour free so he can help them find his ex-boss and shut the Red Room down for good. Plus some random taskmaster is apparently chasing them the whole time for some reason. And that is officially the halfway point. There is no way any of that was helpful to anyone. I think this podcast is just one big apology to anyone with any understanding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway, moving on to what some of my favourite moments are, or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal. I guess, just objectively, some of the most pivotal moments would be the entire beginning when we see the family get forced to flee America and their lives change completely, because without this, there would obviously be no movie. And then also when Florence and Scarlett break David Harbour free from jail, it's a pretty epic scene. And obviously having him on board, physically on board the helicopter, will help them significantly in moving forward with their mission. But now let's get to the interesting parts, some of my favourite moments. These are in chronological order, but I have to say at the beginning, when we see the younger version of Scarlett Johansson's character, that actress, that child actor, she's killing it. She's only on screen for a few minutes, but in that time, she is tasked with a lot. She cries, she wields a gun, she threatens to shoot people, some high stakes stuff. Plus, she has the responsibility of kicking off the film, but honestly, she does an excellent job. And then another one of my favourite moments, another acting note, just Florence Pugh's performance. She's a queen and an icon, and these are facts I already knew. I also did a podcast on Midsommar where I sung her praises for 35 minutes, and yes, this is the second plug I've made promoting other episodes of this very podcast you're listening to while you're listening to it, and now I'm not going to apologise. But Florence, as always, is smashing it. She's absolutely just taken the role and run with it. I feel like she's having the time of her life. She's probably just stoked to be getting this blockbuster budget. Independent films get you Oscar nominated, but Marvel films get you a yacht. But still, she's working hard for the money. I'm getting definite Villanelle from Killing Eve vibes. 
I'll get more into what exactly she's doing that's so great when we delve into some of my favorite characters, but all I can say is I really hope Florence uses this thick check to get in touch with a solid chiropractor because her back must be sore from carrying this entire movie. And now I will not be quitting my day job to become a stand-up comedian, mainly because I don't have a day job. These tangents are getting out of control. Back on track. Again, on an acting note, he's only been on screen very briefly, but I'd also like to shout out David Harbour's performance. I just love him. I think he's so good and honestly really underrated. At the beginning, we get to see him be a caring and endearing dad, which he nails. But when he pops back up again later, we see him as a grizzled, hardened up prisoner slash prison escapee with a cheeky sense of humor, not unlike Florence Pugh's character. After Scarlet and Florence successfully spring him from jail, he says farewell douchebags in Russian as they fly away in a helicopter and honestly, truly iconic. A king. Another one of my favorite things about the movie is I like the glimpses we get at the sisterly bonding slash quippy infighting between Scarlet and Florence. We get to see that the relationship is clearly rooted in love in an emotional scene where they bond over beers and talk about their childhood trauma and their birth parents. Because, oh yeah, I forgot to mention earlier. Turns out Rachel Weisz and David Harbour aren't actually their parents and that they were all posing as a family in some witness protection type situation. Why? Again, I don't know. I have literally no answers. Just a lot of questions. But nevertheless, I really like to see that part of their relationship contrasted on a lighter note with some pretty funny fighting. Yes, we see a lot of physical fighting, but my favorite part is their banter. Like at one point, Florence roasts Scarlett's fighting style by getting on the ground and then aggressively whipping her hair because family drama is never not going to be entertaining. Which actually brings me to another thing I'm a fan of. I really like the combo of big budget action meets small moments of comedy. Marvel, I've found in the very little exposure I've had to it, always strikes this balance really well and manages to ground their overwhelmingly large-scale blockbusters with more human moments of comedic levity. They provide a much-needed breather and stop the film from taking itself too seriously, which I always appreciate. However, I am so into these moments that I become invested in them and want more of them and then find myself zoning out during action scenes and struggling to keep up with the larger picture. But I think that's a me problem. I've also written down some smaller micro favorite moments. At the very beginning, David Harbour is rocking an 80s style fit, despite the fact that it is 1995. But his dorky dad ensemble, next level. Absolutely rate it. And I also like the fact that post physically fighting with her sister, Florence just starts day drinking. A bit racist, I guess, because like Russia, vodka, but also a mood. Get in a shot, take a shot. Okay, now moving on to the complete opposite, some of my least favorite moments, or moments that I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal. Ironically, moments that are objectively the least pivotal are probably what I consider my favorite. This being the little quippy asides from Florence and as of late David Harbour. Are they doing anything to move the plot forward? Absolutely not. They're not even really doing that much to inform character, especially after a while. But they are 100% enjoyable and would have made the first half worth watching for me. I was going to say watchable in general, but decided to be nice. But now some of my least favorite moments. This isn't my absolute least favorite thing about the movie, but something I did clock pretty early on. There are some cheesy cliche lines throughout, a lot of which at this point I think big budget blockbusters are contractually obliged to have in there. Like, for instance, at the beginning, young Scarlett Johansson asks, where are we going? And then Rachel Weisz just kind of ominously looks out the window and says, home. 
I said it before Rachel did because I knew it was coming. Or also when characters talk literally just to themselves, purely to help convey things to the audience. Scarlet does it constantly to try and explain what's going on, which TBH isn't working. Which neatly brings me to my next point, I'm finding it super hard to keep up with. Which I cannot begin to tell you makes me feel embarrassingly dumb. Am I struggling because I know nothing about Marvel and have no context? Perhaps. Or is it because we change countries every scene? Also possible. I feel like so far Scarlet has visited every single nation to ever compete in the Eurovision Song Contest. However, another reason why I'm not keeping up may be because I was definitely eating chips while I was watching it, so for sure crunched through some dialogue, which I guess didn't really help. Another one of my least favourite things is that there's a lot of fighting. I get that it's a blockbuster, Marvel, action film, and that combat is not only a key component of said genre, but is also a draw card for a lot of viewers, but there's so much. Everyone is either engaging in hand combat or trying to shoot each other or assassinate someone, and honestly, I can't keep up. I feel like this fighting for the sake of living up to its label of action film and inducing faux excitement, but this has very much been at the expense of a cohesive plot and character introduction, let alone development. We've barely learned anything about who these people are or what's going on. There are times, like at the beginning, where this movie feels like a more intimate and emotional situational character study, but then it snaps immediately into action mode before you get to learn anything. I mean, I'm all for a tonal mashup, but this just feels like a bit of an ill-defined confusing mess that is definitely stopping me from becoming fully immersed. There's also a lot of reference to, slash lengthy but not too deep or informative discussion of things that have happened in the past rather than a lot of showing. There's one flashback that we get to see, but apart from that, past events are just mentioned in passing, and other characters who haven't appeared at all in this movie are just casually name-dropped in a way that's both confusing and tediously boring. Like, I don't understand what's going on, but I also don't care to understand what's going on. I get that there's an entire Marvel Cinematic Universe preceding this film that I have not bothered to educate myself on, but I still feel that this movie should be able to work and stand alone in its own right while referencing other movies in the same world to give fans a deeper experience, but it shouldn't be an elite club that anyone on the periphery is prevented from remotely understanding. I feel like of all of the Marvel content I've consumed, this is the one that I am prevented from being fully immersed in the most, due to a lack of prior knowledge. And that's saying something, because I think I joined in on like the third Avengers and was still able to keep up. And then my final least favourite thing, this is really picky and seriously inconsequential, but there's an indie Nirvana cover that plays over the opening credits, which I absolutely hate. I'm sorry, this is so small, but also it sincerely bothered me. The original Smells Like Teen Spirit is angsty and performed indistinctly already. Please do not emphasize those traits. Also, if an ignorant youth watched this and thought that that was the original version, I would lose the will to live. Watch this space. Okay, now moving on to my favorite characters. The first one I have is Natasha Romanoff, aka Scarlett Johansson, I guess. She's the character who's been in the movie the most. And on paper, she's a strong, independent queen with a dark and traumatic past. She said, I'm complicated and deep. She said, I'm a scrappy underdog. She said, I have a passion for social justice, but also I kind of seemed like a gun-wielding psychopath in my youth and straight up murdered my father's boss's daughter, so can I be trusted? Who knows? 
In terms of acting, this is very potentially controversial, but it does kind of feel like Scarlett Johansson's doing a table read and going through the motions. But her hair looks great and her character's likable enough, so I guess Natasha slash Scarlett can remain in this category. But then my next favourite character, definitely Yelena, aka Florence. She's unapologetic. She's fierce. She's a fighter. She's no nonsense. She straight up tells it like it is and does not waste time on social pleasantries. And she loves a day drink. She'd be a fun night out. She also swears to herself in Russian pretty constantly, which is a vibe. Definitely an unintentional queen of comedy and sarcasm. And as I said, expertly played by Florence Pugh, who has managed to be completely different and completely flawless in everything I've seen her in. She is hands down the best part about this film for me. Now moving on to my least favourite characters, this is a pretty small category considering, again, I don't know what's going on, but I guess my least favourite would be the guy responsible for mind control. He seems to be after them for some reason. I seriously don't know what's happening, but I know enough to understand that he's the villain, so I shouldn't like him. Though also I'm pretty sure what I just said doesn't make any sense. In summary, the guy who is David Harbour's boss who runs the Red Room slash the Taskmaster are clearly the villains and therefore my least favourite characters. Are they the same person? Maybe? I don't know. Could be. Moving on. Two storylines I think will be expanded upon slash should be expanded upon or what I want to see more or less of. A storyline that I flagged early on that I think could be expanded upon is the sexual tension between Scarlet and that guy from the cabin. Yes, he's very much a side character and may not pop up again, but if he does, I think they'll either get together or they'll kill him off to give him more trauma and more fodder for audience sympathy. I also, <laughs> my next dot point is just, I guess they'll take down that guy who's trying to take them down. Because yeah, that's how Marvel movies work. There's a hero, there's a villain, there's a clear dichotomy, a clear binary, one will triumph over the other. Good versus evil, good defeats evil. Who is evil? I'm not smart enough to work that out. I'm also gonna guess that Rachel Weisz comes back soon because otherwise what an underwhelming and brief cameo. And then in terms of what I think should be expanded upon, I have a lot of questions. Number one, who are any of these people and what are they doing? Why is some random guy controlling everyone's mind? What was the entire opening sequence about and how is that relevant to the rest of the film? Why were Florence and Scarlet forced to grow up in some red room that sounds 10 times worse than the red room from Twin Peaks? Why is David Harbour even in prison? And what is a Black Widow? Who are they? And what role do they play in this movie? Why is that the title of the film? I feel like I missed a lot. So if you're listening to this, please message me and explain to me what happened over the course of the past hour. The next category I have is most problematic moments in brackets, if applicable. However, I don't really think it is. Apart from the Russia vodka stereotype I talked about before, and most likely a lot of other European racial stereotypes that I'm not educated enough in that culture to recognize, it seems pretty unproblematic. It's just a bunch of American white people putting on European white accents and prancing around in lycra. A bit naff, perhaps a bit distasteful, but overall not too problematic. Okay, next question. What category of viewing would I slot this into? The three categories that I always lay out for myself are trash, meaning that it's a horribly written and horribly made film, treasure, meaning that it is expertly crafted and created and is a masterpiece, or guilty pleasure, meaning that it isn't made too well, but also I'm super enjoying it and feel bad about the fact that I am into it. This is where I have to take pause 
and evaluate my trip ditch reviewing system. It's not trash because it's not horrible and it's not poorly made. It's not a guilty pleasure because I don't feel at all guilty about the fact that I'm watching a mainstream Marvel blockbuster because I'm not up myself, but more importantly, I'm not deriving much pleasure from watching it either. However, I wouldn't classify it as a treasure purely because I don't think it's phenomenally made. It's not badly made, but it's also not a masterpiece. And I personally am not getting much out of it because I don't know what's going on. And these types of movies also just really aren't up my alley. I think my alley's in a different state. So I guess this movie defies categorization. For the first time ever, my reductive rhyming labels have failed me. I really was not kidding when I said this podcast will provide you with no answers. Now, moving right along to viewing style, who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. I would say the least ideal viewing circumstance is the one that I watched it in. This being at home without a Marvel fan present. I absolutely would not recommend watching this movie if you are not up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe or a fan of action movies in general. So alternatively, ideal viewing circumstance, I would 100% recommend watching this with someone who has the context and knowledge of the backstory, who doesn't mind you pausing and asking questions every two minutes because that is what I needed. And also ideally seeing as it is a blockbuster, you'd watch this at the movies. As I've said, that's not an option for me. Have I mentioned Sydney's in the middle of a lockdown? This should really be a drinking game. But if you have access to a theater that's showing it, definitely view it there. And now, second last question, will I keep going with the rest of the film? I mean, I guess. I honestly haven't really been lured by much at all, so kind of feel like I'm finishing out of obligation. Obligation to what exactly? I guess an obligation to fight against feeling like a failure with an inability to complete tasks or have any sort of follow through. So I'm going to let that guilt fuel me. But if I had any remote idea of what was happening, then yeah, I would actively want to finish it. I'd want to watch Florence and Scarlet take down Taskmaster, whoever that is. And final question, rating out of five. I'm probably going to give this a 2.5 just because this isn't my thing. It's fine. It's a movie. A solid 50%. It reaches the pass mark. It's all right. If you're a Marvel fan, it's definitely enjoyable enough. If you're not, though, you really won't get as much or anything out of it. There's a lot of prerequisite knowledge needed to enjoy the film. However, if you don't feel like investing that much time in this franchise, then there is nothing for you. So maybe I just resent the exclusivity of it. But like the writing's not bad. The cinematography's good. I like the costumes. Some of the acting's a real standout. There are definitely good things about this movie, but there are also just a lot of drawbacks for me. I am so sorry to every Marvel fan watching, and I am also so sorry to every non-Marvel fan watching who was listening to this podcast to try and get a deeper understanding of Black Widow and maybe provide you with some of the context you would need to enjoy the film. I am not able to give you that. I'm not able to give anyone anything. I really think recording this and listening to this is a waste of time. But what a note to end the season on. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back in a couple of months for season three of Cinema at First Sight. Talk to you then. Bye.